The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. I want to welcome you today to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church, which is located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCool, and I serve as pastor of Zion Primitive Baptist Church. We are a congregation of believers in the sovereign grace of God where families worship together through the simple practice of preaching, praying, and singing. If you live in this area or are visiting here, we would love to have you attend worship services with us. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. and every Sunday evening at 5 p.m. and the first and third Wednesday evenings at 6.30 p.m. I'm happy to note that our daily podcast is featured on Grace Alone Radio, which you can find at gracealoneradio.net. You can find the schedule on the website, and you can also download an app to your phone so that you can listen wherever you are. Grace Alone Radio is a 24-hour streaming service which carries the message of God's sovereign grace around the clock and around the world. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. That's near the intersection of County Road 49 and Alabama Highway 159, about 10 miles north of Gordo, Alabama, and about 8 miles northeast of Reform, Alabama. If you're interested in finding more sermons, you can go to our website at zionpbc.com, that's z-i-o-n-p-b-c.com, where you'll find all of our posted sermons as well as a link to subscribe to our podcast. You can also subscribe to our website which will update you every time a new sermon is posted. The last time we saw David, he was acting in a godly manner, sparing the life of his great enemy, Saul. But today, we see David rushing headlong to vengeance just because a man named Nabal insulted him. Doesn't that sound a lot like us? Don't we have days when we're in sweet obedience to God, shunning the passions of the flesh and following the dictates of Scripture? only to turn around the very next day and rush into some kind of sin, fulfilling the lusts of the flesh and the lusts of the eyes and the pride of life. David reacted in anger. David purposed to destroy Nabal and all of his band. But thanks be to the Lord, God often providentially sends someone or something into our lives to stop us as we're about to commit some heinous sin. Enter Abigail. Abigail was Nabal's wife. Nabal literally means fool, and Nabal lived up to his name, but Abigail was a sweet sister of Israel. She had a sweet disposition and a godly outlook on life. Abigail intervened, saved Nabal's life, and in doing so, saved David's life as well. Join us today and tomorrow as we look at David and Abigail and see what a godly influence can do. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit. This is my
as we continue this study of David, we come now to the 25th chapter. You recall that last time we, read, we, we studied from the 23rd and 24th chapter about how to treat your enemy. And let me say to you, it's different than the way the world will teach you. You know, the world says destroy your enemies. The world says kill them. You know, take every advantage you can to get back at them. The Lord says vengeance is mine, I will repay. And that's what we saw with David and Saul, is that Saul, who was out to kill David, was out to destroy him and his men. He came to a place where he went into this cave where they were hiding, and, and instead of killing him like his men were encouraging him to do, he just cut off the hem of his garment, the, a piece of his, his robe that he had laid aside. And then he told him, he said, I'm treating you right. I'm, I'm treating you the way that God would have me to treat you, no matter how you treat me. Now with that thought in mind, I want us to look this morning to the story of David and Abigail. There are three characters actually in this story. There's, there's Nabal, who is a foolish farmer. There's David, who you're going to see as a furious warrior. And there's Abigail, who we're going to see as a faithful wife. As we look at them, I think we can learn something maybe about how David and how we can be men and women after God's own heart. The beginning of chapter 25 is the death of Samuel. Samuel was a great mentor to David. Samuel, we might say today, he was a father in the ministry. He was someone who was uh, instrumental in David's life and career. And we read in verse 1 that Samuel died, and all the Israelites were gathered together and lamented him and buried him in his house at Ramah. And David arose and went down to the wilderness of Paran. Now, I don't know how David was feeling here, but I can tell you this. Remember where he is. David has, has fled from Saul in fear when he probably should have stayed put. He has uh, left Samuel after Samuel helped him deliver him from Saul. And he's left Samuel and he's gone to the wilderness. He was in a cave there by himself with men who were of low estate, men who were not godly in their outlook. They were lions, he said. He, they were men that didn't care about him. He said, no man cared for my soul. As I've said so many times, I love reading about David because we don't have to figure out what's in his mind. He wrote Psalms about it under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And he tells us in Psalm 57 and Psalm 142 that he was, a, he was uh, surrounded by lions in, in this cave. And he was, uh, uh, they, were, they, were, they didn't care for him. They just cared what he could do for them. I, I, know, I know how that feels. I know you know how that feels. There are times when, in the world when we are surrounded by lions. And he's now, his, last, his only friend or his closest friend was Jonathan. And he's seen him for the last time and been encouraged by it. But they've separated again. And now Samuel. The rock, the stalwart of his life has died. And I don't know if David went down to mourn him. I doubt he did because he would have probably been caught. But when the time came and he heard this, he arose and he went down to the wilderness of Paran. And now I want you to look at, for, at this. Uh, uh, this is south of Judah, by the way, down there south uh, in, in the lands uh, south of Jerusalem in that area. And we read about this foolish farmer here. It says, There was a man in Maon whose possessions were in Carmel, and the man was very great, and he had 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats, and he was shearing his sheep in Carmel. Now the name of the man was Nabal, and the name of his wife Abigail. And she was a woman of good understanding and of a beautiful countenance, but the man was churlish and evil in his doings, and he was of the house of Caleb. Now look at this man, Nabal, here. <laughs> First of all, we see he was a wealthy man. 
He was in Maon, a place where David had been and his men were in this kind of in this area. And the farmers in this area, they were close to the Philistines and they sometimes hired uh, mercenaries, if you will, to protect them. That's exactly what David had been doing. If you flip over a page there to the 15th verse of chapter 25, it says... Uh, uh, this, this servant that goes to talk to Abigail, which we'll get to in a minute, says the men, that's the men of David in verse 15, were very good unto us and we were not hurt, neither missed me we anything as long as we were conversing with them when we were in the fields. They were a wall unto us both by day and night and while, all the while we were with them keeping the sheep. These men of David were protecting Nabal and his herds. He had, he had uh, 3,000 sheep. He had 1,000 goats, and he was in a dangerous place. And David and his men had been good to him. But notice the character of Nabal. And the word, by the way, Nabal, means fool. It means fool. I've said this to you young ladies before. They certainly wouldn't be named that today. But let me just say to you young ladies, don't go looking for a man to marry, for a husband among the fools of this world. Those that have a reputation for being fools, leave them alone. The word Nabal means fool. And later on, he's described as a son of Belial. And we've dealt with that on our Wednesday night service. Uh, in our study of Proverbs, we've, we've dealt with that. That's a wicked person. That's somebody, that means, somebody who's worthless or destructive or wicked. And we're told also here that he was churlish and evil in his doings. The word churlish means hard, severe, obstinate. You might say he was hard-headed. That's what you would say about this man Nabal. He was a hard-headed, obstinate, wicked fool. And then we see David's reasonable request. Look at verse 4. David heard in the wilderness that Nabal did shear his sheep. And David sent out ten young men, and David said unto the young men, Get you up to Carmel, and go to Nabal, and greet him in my name, and thus shall you say to him that liveth in prosperity. So he knew he was a rich man. He said, Peace be both unto thee, and peace to thy house, and peace to all that thou hast. Now I have heard that thou hast shearers, thou thy shepherds which were with us. We hurt them not, neither was there aught missing unto them. All the while they were in Carmel. Ask thy young men, and they will show thee. Wherefore, let the young men find favor in thine eyes, for we come in a good day. Give, I pray thee, whatsoever cometh to thine hand unto thy servants and to thy son David. And when David's young men came, they spake to Nabal according to all those words in the name of, the, of David and ceased. Now notice that what's happening here. This was shearing time. The sheep were being sheared. They did that usually twice a, twice a year. And it was a festive event. It was kind of like a party. Everybody came together and they did that. So David sends 10 men with a gracious message and a reasonable request. And it was reasonable for David to expect that they might, uh, they might honor this request because he'd been protecting them. And I want you to notice something else. <laughs> David didn't set a price. He didn't go out here and say, well, now look, I've been protecting you. You owe me $10 per sheep, you know, or $2 per goat or something like that. He just said, look, man, we deserve something for protecting your sheep. It's reasonable for you to do that. Other people are hiring mercenaries to, uh, to take care of us. Said, so, so you just, but you just pay me what you think is fair. You know, that's a reasonable request, isn't it? <laughs> he had 3,000 sheep. He had 1,000 goats. He could easily spare a few of these to feed 600 men who had risked their own lives to protect part of his wealth. Even common courtesy dictated hospitality. For heaven's sake, they were having a party. 
They were having a festival. It's time to invite them in. Say, well, y'all come on in. If nothing else, come on in and join us because you've been helping me. But I want you to notice Nabal's ridiculous response. <laughs> ridiculous in our eyes and in the eyes of anybody who has any sense of fairness. Now remember the description of Nabal as a son of Belial. Now that doesn't refer to just your normal wickedness. That doesn't refer to your normal level of evil. That refers to somebody who is deliberately breaking the law, who despises the law, who uh, despises that which is good. And in fact, in the New Testament, if you look over in 2 Corinthians, I believe it's the 6th chapter and about the 15th verse, uh, Belial is used to describe Satan himself. It's a name that's described to Satan. So rather than gratitude, look at verse 10 and see what he did. Nabal answered David's servants and said, Who is David? And who is the son of Jesse? There be many servants nowadays that break away every man from his master. Shall I then take my bread and my water and my flesh that I have killed for my shearers and give it unto men whom I know not whence they be? Now listen to this, this response. Rather than gratitude, Rather than gratitude, as he should have been gracious and, and grateful to them for what they've done, he just, we're told later in verse, uh, uh, verse 14, when the young man goes to tell, to tell Abigail about it, said that he railed on them. He accused them of being rebels. He said, I hear all the time about people like you, David, that are just trying to establish something for themselves. I'm not interested. It was contempt that he heaped upon him. And that word railed on them is the Greek, is the Hebrew word eat. And that word eat is a primitive word that means to swoop down upon. And it's the Hebrew word that describes the shrieking of a bird of prey as it swoops down on its victim. He shrieked at them. He, 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 he poured contempt upon them. And notice all the personal pronouns in these two verses. Verse 11, my bread, my water, my flesh that I have killed. See, me, me, me. Me, me, me. He was bowing down to the altar of the trinity of me, myself, and I. That unholy trinity that gets all of us from time to time. This foolish farmer. <laughs> and, and I can just see him sitting there shearing those sheep, and being contemptuous. Get away from me. I'm not interested in these rebels like David, the son of Jesse. Well, he didn't realize what he was risking because he was coming up against a furious warrior here. Look at verse 12. So David's young men turned their way and went again and came and told him all these things. And David said unto his men, Gird ye on every man his sword. And they girded on every man his sword. And David also girded on his sword. And there went up after David about 400 men and 200 abode by the stuff. Now, I just want to say to you, David wasn't going to a party, okay? He wasn't going to a party. He wasn't saying, hey, let's go down there and reason with this man. Right. He said, you get your guns and you load them and you get them ready and let's go. In fact, in verse 21, David, we read, David had said, surely in vain have I kept all that this fellow hath in the wilderness so that nothing was missed of all that pertained unto him, and he hath requited me evil for good. So and more also do God unto the enemies of David, if I leave of them that pertain unto him by the morning light any that pisseth against the wall. He's saying, I'm going down there and I'm killing every male, every one of them. I'm not leaving him anything. I'm not leaving him anybody. I'm going to take 
my sword and I'm going to come down myself. He didn't just send people. He said, I'm taking my, uh, my own sword and I'm going to kill every man in that camp, every man, every boy, and I'm going to show him who's boss. Now let's time out just for a minute, okay? Remember what we said when we started this message? You remember last time? I want you to notice the inconsistency here. Last chapter, David came into personal contact with the one man in all the world that hated him the most and was trying to kill him. He came into contact with Saul and had an opportunity to kill Saul, and yet he forgave Saul who wanted to kill him, and now he wants to kill Nabal when all Nabal did was refuse to feed him. He forgave the one main enemy. He forgave the, the really bad guy. And then he got his feelings hurt. And he went down and he says, I'm going to kill this foolish man. Isn't that so much like us? Don't you find yourself acting so godly and Christ-like sometimes that you just, you just can't believe how good you are? <laughs> you, know? you ever been there? Whoo, man. <laughs> wow. I'm a godly man. <laughs> I forgave this guy. Oh, you know, look at me. I mean, you know, you may not say that, but you, that's the way you feel it, you know. And, and, let, and let, me not, let me not blow it out of proportion either. Let me just say that there are times when we act in a godly way. There are times, listen, I want to I say to you this morning, I don't feel a whole lot of temptation right here. I feel wonderful right here in the pulpit with you. I know you're praying for me. I know you're interested in these things. We're having sweet fellowship and the Holy Spirit is here. I really feel on a mountaintop this morning. Often on Sundays, mornings, and Sunday nights, I leave here saying, praise God, what a mountaintop experience. But do you know when my biggest temptation comes? You know when I have the biggest struggle with sin in my life? You say, was well, it Monday morning when you go back to work? Yeah, I have a struggle then. And sometimes in the middle of the week when it's worn off, yeah, I have struggles then too. You know when my biggest fights come? On Sunday nights before I go to bed. You ever notice that? You're up on the mountaintop on Sunday. We have a special meeting sometimes. That, man, that fellowship meeting a few weeks ago was awesome. Oh, it was amazing. And then we had, that was Saturday, then we had Sunday services. Sunday morning, Sunday night. We had wonderful time of fellowship. We had visiting pastors here. We had, we've had Brother Ricky Harcrow here. We've had Elder Darren Owens here. We've had some wonderful messages. The, what a mountaintop experiences they are. But I promise you, Sunday night before I go to bed, I'm already struggling with sin. I'm already struggling with it. Sometimes my greatest battle comes after the highest mountaintop experience. Notice David here. I'm glad to see I'm not the only one. David had just won probably the, you know, you think Goliath, the, the victory against Goliath was amazing. The victory against his own men who were urging him to kill Saul. The use of self-restraint, the use of temperance, the, the implementation of God's rule and God's law against Saul the king was a greater battle than Goliath will ever be. The battles we fight with ourselves, beloved, are sometimes the hardest battles of all. And now, just a short time later, he's able to forgive the one that was trying to kill him 
But he's gotten his feelings hurt and he's let his anger get the best of him and he didn't consult the Lord and he rushed out to satisfy his passions. He's going to kill this man. You know, God's servants need to always be on guard lest the enemy suddenly attack and conquer us. You know what we're told about the enemy, don't we? And what Peter says about him in 1 Peter 5, 8, he says, be sober, be vigilant, always be on guard because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. You know, what does a lion do? A lion doesn't really, you know, he's a roaring lion. You hear him out there, but then, then when he's ready to slip up on you, you're not hearing him very much, are you? And, and no, no prey. I don't, I've never, you know, I love those nature shows on the National Geographic <laughs> Channel. I have yet to see an impala go running into a lion's den and get eaten. They don't, you know, I, I don't see the impalas out there saying, oh, there's a lion's den. Let me leap over there and jump in it, you know. They're always running from the lion, right? Yeah. When they see the lion, they flee. They have a system set up of warning where when they, they see it, they start warning the others and they flee. It's the lioness or the lion that's able to slip up in the place where they are that gets them every time. Let me tell you about your adversary, the devil. He'll slip up on you where you are. That's right. He does it to me all the time. And he doesn't care how high a spiritual mountaintop you've been on. He knows you better than you know yourself. He knows your human nature and the sin-cursed nature better than you know it yourself. And he'll slip in there on Sunday night and get you. He'll slip in there on Sunday night and stir up contention within your family. He'll slip in there on Sunday night and cause you to be thinking wicked and immoral and evil thoughts. He'll slip in there on Sunday night and he'll get you. You know, when the most depressed I've ever been, and I don't suffer generally from depression that much, but you know when the most times of depression come upon me is on Sunday nights. <laughs> Sometimes I've been flying back from a great meeting and just kind of get down, you know. It's something about that. But it's the devil, our adversary, who is out to destroy us. And think about what was about to happen here. David was about to go down to a, to a citizen of Israel and, to, and wipe out his camp. What more would Saul need from a public relations standpoint to prove what he'd been saying all along? I've been telling y'all. Let me tell you what David did. He goes down to this Wealthy farmer. He, he could get out there and say, listen, let me tell you what David did. He took his men, these ruffians, these rebels, and they went down there and wiped out one of your fellow citizens, one of your prominent citizens, destroyed his camp. That's all Saul would have needed to use against David to legitimize Saul's chasing David throughout this country. But I want you to see something that God did here through a faithful wife. Praise God, there was this young lady, this young wife named Abigail. Now, before we get too hard on her for Mary and Nabal, remember that marriages were arranged in that day. She probably didn't have much choice in marrying this fool, this foolish man. But I want you to see what happened as we continue reading about this. Verse 14, But one of the young men told Abigail, Nabal's wife, saying, Behold, David sent messengers out of the wilderness to salute our master, and he railed on them. But the men were very good unto us, and we were not hurt, neither missed we anything, as long as we were conversant with them when we were in the fields. They were, they were a wall unto us, both by night and day, all the while we were with them, keeping the sheep. 
Now therefore know and consider what thou wilt do, for evil is determined against our master and against all his household, for he is such a son of Belial that a man cannot speak to him. This man is so foolish and wicked and obstinate and stubborn, you can't tell him anything. You can't tell him a thing. And, and, and yet, this young wife that he had, this young girl, this young lady, Abigail, was a woman of wisdom. And it was evident to the people who even worked for Nabal that Nabal was a fool, but Abigail was wise. Due to the constraints of time, we will stop the message here. But please join us tomorrow for the conclusion of this message. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's Z-I-O-N-P-B-C-1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismccool at gmail.com. That's the letter J, C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. 